The things these streets have seen, like legends, half man, half machine, who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free. Because here, there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable, and they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek. Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. G'day everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome to the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Timken, a world leader in engineered bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Well, it is race week for the Super Cheap Auto Bathurst 1000 for 2020. It's a very different race week for this year's great race, but we have a great race and that is something we are thrilled with. Will Dale is with me on the Zoom line. Uh, are you ready for a great, great race in what is otherwise a very ungreat, strange year? It's great to actually have what is potentially going to be a slightly, a slight bit of norm, normality. Is that the word I'm looking for? I think given everything yeah. this year, you would deem having a Bathurst 1000 some element of normal, even if every element around it is not normal in terms of not many fans there, uh, no camping, uh, all of the things that we come to expect and know as part of the tradition of Bathurst Race Week uh, are not there. But the reality is... Six months ago, I had a very real feeling that there wouldn't be a Bathurst 1000 this year. Mm. So for all those who are complaining, all those who are moaning that they can't go, uh, the reality is what would you prefer? A Bathurst 1000 that continues the tradition and the history or that we have that blank year in 2020 where there's no winner, no race, nothing going on. I'm going for the glass half full. I know you are as well. And today on the episode, uh, as we mark the end of Holden at Bathurst in terms of factory participation, of course, Commodores will race next year in the Supercars Championship, but Holden as a brand and in terms of backing, uh, there'll be no Red Bull Holden racing team. The team will be rebranded. I'm guessing something like Red Bull Racing Australia, like it used to be before uh, it was the factory Holden squad. So on this episode, we're taking a look as we lead up to Bathurst at our top 10 Holden drivers in the Bathurst 1000 slash 500 of all time. Now, Ford fans don't get sooky. We did this <laughs> last year for Ford. This year, it's the turn of Holden, and especially given the fact that we've got a, a different, well, it's an end of a chapter really this year. So hence the reason. But before we get into that, Will, uh, we've got plenty on this podcast. We can announce our winners later on of the uh, V8 Sleuth quiz with uh, a pile of vouchers up for grabs in the V8 Sleuth online bookshop that we didn't get anyone get 20 correct answers, but we got a 19 and a couple of 18s. We'll cover them off a bit later. But Bathurst Race Week, uh, later in the week, we're doing something on our website that we've never done before. Yeah, we'll be running live blogs through all, all of the supercar sessions. So from Thursday practice, Friday practice and qualifying, Saturday top 10 shootout, and all through the race on Sunday. If you can't watch it on TV... Or if you can and you just want to have a chat about it and follow our own V8 Sleuth style of commentary, um, <laughs> head to our head to v8sleuth.com.au and, um, yeah, enjoy. And, and we should reveal right now that you're the one driving the keyboard. So yeah. if uh, anyone cops a smart-ass reply, it's from you, not me. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> You'd never be a smart-ass. You'd never be no, a smart-ass. No, no. Too... If I was, I'd attach your name to it. Yeah, that's fair. Fair point. Everyone else does. <laughs> Everyone else does. Uh, we're going to do our countdown. Now, the top 10 Holden drivers of all time in the Bathurst 1000, everyone's got a different way of looking at this. I've looked at it from the point of view of uh, their, obviously, results. That's a major part. And whether I deem them a Holden driver or not. Now, in our Ford podcast last year, there were some drivers that you need to be strongly identified as a particular brand driver because of your longevity with uh, said brand, uh, your success with them, a combination of all. So this is really one of those ones where everyone will have a different top 10. But that's the beauty of this stuff. We can all fight about it. No one's really right. 
Well, that is definitely one way of looking at it, that no one, no one's really right. But, you know, some of us are more right than others. <laughs> Jeez, you've come out of the blocks quick today. <laughs> hey, just quickly, too, let's roll in. We'll go from 10 to 1, but I wanted to mention, too, we get a lot of questions because they're great friends of ours. The National Motor Racing Museum uh, is open for the first part of race week in terms of before the on-track activity. It uh, starts at Bathurst this week. It's closed for the race event from Thursday through to Sunday, but it will reopen in the aftermath. So if you're up there before or after the race, by all means, head in there. There's that fantastic new Dick Johnson Racing exhibition, 40th anniversary this year of DJR or of Dick and The Rock, 1980, of course, the thing that really... uh, stepped him up there into the national conscience more than anything uh, and sent him on his way. Uh, there is a Holden in there too. If you're listening to the podcast wondering, what's this got to do with Holden? <laughs> There's a Tirana in there. Yeah, because, of course, Dick Johnson's first race in the Bathurst 1000 came in an XU1 Tirana with Bob Forbes. It was. It was. It, it's not the car, but it is a very, very good replica of that XU1 mm. that they drove together in 73, the first year of the race as a 1,000K race. Of course, this is our top 10 Holden drivers at the Bathurst 1000 podcast. Uh, It's brought to you by the V8 Sleuth online bookshop. And, of course, our new Racing the Lion book, if you're looking for something for Christmas, 400 pages. It is the history of Holden in Australian motorsport. 80,000 words, hardcover. It's a ripper. Jump on our bookshop uh, online now. The website address is bookshop.v8sleuth.com. Dot .au and we will get it out into the mail ASAP. Okay, our Holden top 10s. Let's start at number 10. By the way, we haven't conferred on the lists here. We don't know what the other has uh, gone and put together in the last few days. Let's start at 10. Give me your number 10. So we talked about how we put these together. I've just gone on total gut feel, who I think is a good fit for, the, for this list. So my number 10, Will Davison. Wow. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. Please tell more. Obviously, he is a two-time Bathurst winner in Holdens. And this is it. He's, uh, he's only started four Bathurst 1000s in Holdens, but three out of four of them have gone pretty well. Well, he won two, and he was on track or in a very good position to win the, thir- win the it, third. Is this 2010 you're talking about? Where he ended up with, yeah, yeah. It didn't quite work out, don't get me wrong but he was in a very strong position late in the race and was a contender. Uh, the last race in Holden didn't go quite as well with Techno, but, you know, three out of four ain't too bad. Okay, it's a really interesting one because I don't have Will Davison in my Holden top ten. I don't consider... He's in an interesting list. Mm. I put him in the list with blokes like Steve Richards, Jim Richards, whereby they've been on both sides of the fence and I don't strongly align them with either brand. Yes, Will's won one for HRT, one in a Holden for Techno, but I just don't count him as a Holden guy in my head. And and it was like last year with the top 10 Ford drivers that McLaughlin, this is before he won Bathurst in a Ford, uh, so so strongly identified, if you put him with a manufacturer in the head and mind of so many fans, it's Volvo. So... Mm. I don't have Willie D in the list. Uh, He'd be an honourable mention, but I've got a long list of honourable mentions. (laughs) My number 10 is a man, if you threw cherry ripes out the door on the parade, (laughs) you are in the 10. Peter Jansen. 19 starts, 15 Mm -hmm. of them in Holdens, three podiums, two runner-up results at Bathurst with Larry Perkins. A pile of involvement in the the behind-the-scenes elements of the Holden dealer team and some of the sponsors that were brought in. Uh, He's a Holden guy through and through in terms of his longevity with the brand, connected to the brand, the things that he did behind the scenes that a lot of race fans probably didn't see or know, and the cherry ripe thing and all the the fun and frivolity that comes with him. He's a Bathurst legend, and uh, he's number 10 on my Holden driver's list. So this is a driver's list. Now, I'm not going to question... Jansen's record behind the wheel because, of course, he's finished on a Bathurst podium and I haven't. But does he get as high up this list if not for having Larry Perkins alongside, having Gary Rogers alongside him? Uh, probably not, but it depends on who, but he did. So you, you can't <laughs> argue the uh, what could have, should have, and m- maybe. Otherwise, no one would get on a list because everyone could have won every year's Bathurst. Just ask them. Um, but I, I think he's... Uh, 
I think he's a gem and we do get asked a lot about uh, having him on the podcast. We'd love to be able to do it at some point down the track and hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, number nine, who's number nine on your list? Number nine on my list is John Harvey. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Long-time Holden driver. Only really went to the mountain once with a Holden dealer team as their lead driver because the first time he went with them, he was paired with Colin Bond, who was, of course, their main guy. Mm-hmm. And every other time he went there with them, Brock was there. So, and they never paired up in the car together. And he has... A, but the guy who went there as the team's second string the driver of the team's second string entry has a very good record and was of course won the race in 1983 and came close to winning a, quite a few other times well the key was that they finally got that second car to be a regular finisher for so many years it wasn't mm. uh in that 78 to 81 period then larry perkins arrived and he put a big uh, importance on you know getting that second car to to be, uh, to be up there and among it. So off the top of my head, I, I agree with you. I haven't been able to squeeze him in. He's in the honourable mentions list. But I would agree with... If I had to argue with you about taking him out, I don't think I could. Yeah. 1382, uh, even with the, 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 the siphoned drink straw that was accidentally cut off a, a, break, um, a bottle of brake fluid from memory uh, and yeah. stuck in as his drink hose... Won in 83, but obviously in controversial circumstances. Uh, Runner-up in 84. Everyone forgets too, runner-up in 86 with mm. Neil Lowe to the Grice uh, Bailey Chickadee car. Uh, my number nine is a guy who never won the great race. He spent 11 of his 13 Bathursts in Holdens. He did two in BMWs in the two-litre era. He's no longer with us. He's a three-time runner-up. He had something special at the mountain. He found he had a bit of Greg Murphy going on there where if he was in a duddish car or not the best car, he managed to find something a little bit more. Jason Richards is my number nine. He's strongly a Holden man. He's firmly Holden identifiable. Uh, Three times runner up. One of the first blokes into the sixes, as you'll remember in, was it 2008? Mm. In the sprint gas car. Uh, yes, he's not a winner. He didn't win the race. But this is not about top 10 Holden winning drivers at the Bathurst 1000. This is about blokes who represented a brand, how they went about it, how they did it. A bit of on-track performance is obviously a big part of it. But for me, um, and it's not just because he's not here anymore or because he's sadly missed. It's because he did special things at that place that you go and... He, uh, okay, this is how I'm going to explain it. Go and get a tape or a DVD or a streaming or however you watch it, download it off the Foxtel box, get the 2009 Bathurst 1000 and tell me where he's running with five or six laps to go and tell me where he finishes. Go off and do that for me and you'll see the answer as to why he's here. And go and find on YouTube, Team BOC put up the video of him lunging, I think it was Rick Kelly at the elbow to grab second place with two laps to go or he left to go, or three laps to go, whatever it was. It was just JR special, just stuffing it in up the inside. Anybody else would have probably shunted, and he was probably not that far away <laughs> from having a shunt as well. But I, I just strongly identify him as Holden. Um, and there's a lot of guys who are just not on my list because I don't count them as Holden drivers. Yes, they won in Holdens, or they raced Holdens for a bit. Um, you might notice as we go through the list, I don't have Jamie Winkup. I, I, he's not Are on my you? list. Nope. No, he's won one in a Holden. He's done a lot in a Holden. I, I, I was trying to find a way to put him in, but I also feel like he's kind of, he spent that period with Triple Eight and Ford. He's been in Holdens a lot longer over the journey, but I don't strong, I, I identify him as a Triple Eight driver, not as a Holden bloke or a Ford bloke. So I just couldn't put him in a list of Holden identifiable Top 10 Bathurst drivers. I can, I can see your point, and I'll discuss this further in a couple of positions time. <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, I do appreciate what you said about JR, and like you said about John Harvey, if, if I tried to argue that, he, that Jason Richards shouldn't be in the top 10, I don't think I could do it. He, he outperformed his machinery pretty consistently at Bathurst, and you see that in the results when you compare how he performed at Bathurst to, com- to how he 
performed elsewhere throughout the year. He just mm. grew extra legs and, like you said, turned in some incredibly special and memorable performances, and that's all you can ever ask of someone. Yeah, totally. I mean, 05, he was the runner-up with Jamie Winkup in a Tasman car that I think a lot of people hadn't predicted too much from before Sandown when they got on the podium. That car led. Don't forget, JR led the last stint before Scaife managed to get him and get through and, uh, and push on and win. Runner-up with Murph in 08 in the sprint gas car that had had it steering aligned, had a <laughs> whack up the mountain on the first lap and then had it realigned back into place with a hit a little bit later on. Uh, close there, and in 09, very close as well. So um, Jason Richards is number nine on my list. Supercars in Sydney, racing all weekend long. Panasonic Air Conditioning, Sydney Super Night, 19 to 21 July. Now a ticket to Supercars Unforgettable. Number eight, who have you got? <laughs> Jamie Winker. Right, there you go, for all the reasons we just discussed. Well, look. Okay, I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily identify him as a Holden driver, but you set aside his early Bathurst in Gary Rogers and Larry Perkins Holdens, where he didn't do heaps. From 2010 to this current year, I don't think there has been there have been many stronger drivers in Holdens at Bathurst than Jamie Wincup, if at all. The True. results may not necessarily reflect it, but you look at his individual drives from 2010 onwards, there's there's really no comparison. Like he has been the guy to beat every single year over a period of 10 years. He's just got barely anything to show for it. One win in 12, runner up in 13 and a whole pile of what ifs could be's nillies. Not always driver related. Some no, of them true. were, true. but not yeah. always driver related. Very true. Um, and you think about the, some of those drives, I know, um, there was a lot of talk this week about his early, his opening stint in 2014 when he came from the back of the grid to be leading, um, admittedly against a lot of co-drivers, but you've still got to pass them and not bend the car, and he did a phenomenal job there. And getting a lap back later in that race. I was going to say, remember, he got a penalty because he bumped mm. into the Nissan, I think it was Todd Kelly's Nissan at the yeah. chase, um, and picked himself up a drive-through. So <laughs> to get back <laughs> from that was stunning. You've mentioned this before, 2011, he and Andrew Thompson led more laps than anyone and then they had a, um, was it an electrical? Alternator? Yeah, electrical issue Stop of some charging. sort that yeah. just um, turned them into a bunny hopping Commodore there for a little while. Uh, but he's been in the mix. Yeah. He's been in the mix. I totally agree with you. I, I could absolutely um, back you up on all of those reasons, but you've got to keep presenting. We said this on the preview podcast. You've got to keep being in the spot to to get through. You knock on the door often enough and hard enough, it will open. It's only open for him once. 16, he was first across the line. So you could say that the door did open, but... <laughs> that 16 drive too, he doesn't... For everything that happened in the back end of the race, he doesn't get the credit for how good a weekend he had. And one of those middle stints where he had to drive flat out while everyone else was conserving and he just drove qualifying lap after qualifying lap after qualifying lap. It's one of his best... That's easily one of his best drives at the mountain that went unrewarded. So you've Jamie, got... Jamie agrees that it went under, unrewarded if you listen to our podcast with him last, from last year. Well, he did make some comments there that probably weren't picked up on by many people. So go back and have a listen to our Jamie Winkup episode from last year because he did talk about Bathurst 2016 and he basically, in essence, he said he was robbed, basically. Yeah. So uh, no, my number eight, though, is a guy who is not from Australia, but I think he was claimed by so many people, be, particularly because of the brand for which he drove, Win Percy. Ah, winning. 1990 winner, the, the debut of the standalone Holden Racing team. I know the brand ran the previous year as the banner for Larry Perkins' cars who, who operated those. But for Win, 10 of his 11 Bathurst were in Holden's. The one that wasn't was in the Jag with Tom Walkinshaw in 85. A winner in 90. Runner-up in 91, class winner and fifth outright in 92, and a bunch of fifth places when he came back later on with Coke and with John Faulkner as well. Six times he finished in the top six from 11 starts. So you were always in the mix with Win Percy uh, on your team at Bathurst in that era of the 90s. I just love what he, what he did. People uh, normally a POM driving for the factory Holden team <laughs> in Australia's great race would probably struggle to get over with the fans 
but they really did adopt him and uh, and didn't treat him as a pom. He was the, the the flagship guy there for a couple of years for the Holden Racing Team and uh, helped pull off one of the the great upset wins. Which some people say it wasn't an upset, but the reality was they knew they had a hard, fast car that could go all day. I don't think too many people expected them to win, so therefore it was a surprise. But I think he's deserved it. P8 on, on my list, he's a, he's a Holden legend. See, I had him as an honourable mention in mind for all the reasons you listed. I just, I just couldn't squeeze him into the top 10. Well, you can only fit 10 into a 10. There's always going to be someone who, who misses out, and uh, that's just the nature of it. Uh, number seven, Will. Let's keep racing through them. Uh, number seven for me is someone I thought I would actually have a lot higher up this list, but again, just could not squeeze them in any, uh, any higher. I've got Alan Grice as my number seven. Well, that's funny because I do as well. <laughs> I can't believe we agree on one. Well, only one so far. Let's, yeah. let's wait and see if we actually keep on agreeing with him. The funny thing with Grice for me, mate, is that I identify him totally strongly as a Holden driver. 20 mm. of his 26 starts were in Holdens. His two wins with Holdens. His years with the Craven Mild cars, with the Roadways cars, with HRT. Uh, but the funny thing is I and so many other people identify him as a Holden driver. He really doesn't because in his mind, he was just doing the best deal at the best time with the best available equipment. And it just turned out to be so often that it was... Tiranas or, or Commodores. Of course, he was very rarely in the factory fold. For so many years, he fought against the factory fold, whether it was Firth's HDT or Brock's HDT. But I strongly identify him as, as a Holden driver. And 20 of his 26 starts in Holdens, two wins, four other podiums in Holden products. He's a, he's a dinky die Aussie legend, and the fans love him. So you think of all the memorable moments that Gricey had at Bathurst, all the good ones are in Holdens. You yeah. think about the 100-mile-an-hour lap in 1982, the fact that he led that race early on over the factory squad with Brock. Uh, you think of 86, where, where he and Graham Bailey, the chicken man and Les Small just crushed the opposition with that unbreakable Commodore. And then the 1990 races discussed where he actually did the lion's share of the driving that day because, and all weekend because of an injury that Win Percy was carrying from Sandown. So I, don't, I honestly don't think about any moments of grasses from Bathurst with other manufacturers. Like you said, I, I think of him as a Holden driver when I think of his Bathurst record. So you don't think of his debut in a Fiat in 1968 or whatever it was? Funnily enough, it doesn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the top 10 Fiat Bathurst 1000 drivers of all time. <laughs> Some other list. time. Uh, number six. For my number six, I have one of the most loyal drivers to the Lion Badge in the current day, Garth Tander. Well, this is funny because great minds think alike. I've got the big fella. <laughs> You're kidding. Well, no, correct. I, well, there you go. I'm quite surprised about that. I, there's no doubt that he had to be in this list somewhere. He's been so good for so long and for so long a Holden driver. Two win, sorry, three wins in the Bathurst 1000. Nearly sold him a bit short. Uh, 20 years this year since his first win in the Bathurst 1000 with Gary Rogers Motorsport in that on that very, very, very wet weekend in 2000. And he's just been consistently strong on the mountain throughout that entire time. You think of all the times where late in the race, all of a sudden G Tander has um, bobbed up at the pointy end looking feisty, looking racy and going for the win. Yeah, he's a warrior. He's, yeah. he's always in the fight. He's one of those guys. And Paul Gover, the journalist, always has that chat about who would you like to race for your life? And I'd pick Garth Tander just about every time. I reckon he's a, he's a rip-up. 21 of his 21 Bathurst starts in Holdens. Of course, he missed a year when his car was too badly damaged in a practice crash with Warren Luff at the wheel in 2014. So he's, uh, he's one short of where he could have been on the starts list, but as you mentioned, three wins, uh, three other podiums and nine top six results over the years. So I think he's, uh, it, oh, he's close to be able to sneak a little bit higher up the list, but the thing is he's not done with yet. The question is how long and how far does he go as an endurance driver over the next year, two or three? Does he end up potentially like Greg Murphy calling time a little bit earlier to take up 
a television or a media opportunity? Does he hold that off for a while thinking that that'll be there eventually and I'm going to do another two, three, four Bathurst? Because the reality is Triple Eight are going to keep having him if he keeps turning in the sort of stuff he's done last year and no doubt will do this year. Um, It's really hard to see him just suddenly losing his speed anytime soon. Uh, as long as he's in good cars, he's, he's going to be a contender. So he, he does could... a fair bit during the year as well to keep match fit. Probably and 2020 is an aberration in that sense for all co-drivers, but he's in a GT car more often than not. You'll see him doing a fair bit of racing during the year to keep himself sharp. Like yeah. To keep those door-to-door racing skills sharp. I mean, we saw in TCR last year as well. Yeah, yep. had plenty of runs in, in TCR. Completely different type of car. So we've agreed on Garth Tander at six and Alan Grice at seven. We are halfway through our top 10 Holden drivers at the Bathurst 1000. Five down and five to go. We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment. But I wanted to quickly tell you about our good friends at Timken a world leader in engineered bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now you might know their name and you might recognise their logo, but did you know that Timken bearings are used in the centrepiece of one of the most stunning stadiums in the world of sport? The two billion, yes billion dollar Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta features a retractable roof that is a work of incredible engineering. It features eight triangular roof panels, or petals as the designers call them, that slide open and close in the same way that a camera shutter does. Each petal weighs almost 500 metric tonnes and when the roof is closed, each petal cantilevers over 60 metres from the outer edge of the stadium. Now despite the weight, the size and the complexity of the design, the roof can be closed in just over seven minutes and open in just over eight with Timken's tapered roller bearings used to ensure each petal moves smoothly. The stadium's home to the Atlanta Falcons NFL team and the Atlanta United Major League Soccer team, and in 2019, it hosted the crown jewel of American football, the Super Bowl. We'll bring you more cool facts about Timken in each episode of the V8 Sleuth podcast through the course of the year. Now, it's back to the podcast. Time now to have a look at number five on our top 10 Holden drivers at the Bathurst 1000. This is our special podcast for the Lion fans. And Will, Dale, number five, who you got? My number five is someone who had a lot of big moments at Mount Panorama. Had a lot of, um, had a few very high profile moments at Mount Panorama. He probably would like us all to forget about and not talk about and stop asking him about. Um, but it's hard to look past a man who drops in the lap of the gods unexpectedly. Number five for me is Greg Murphy. Yeah, I don't have Murphy at five, but he's close or thereabouts to the mark. Uh, I mean, the five that are left, I think we're going to have the same five. It's just a case of where you slot them in your list. Uh, Well, it's impossible to argue. There's nothing to argue here. Is Greg Murphy a holder man? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, forget the Toyota Carina of 1994. <laughs> uh, we all start somewhere in life, don't we? Uh, <laughs> Lap of the Gods, two-time pole sitter, four wins, four other podiums, all by one of his 22 starts in Holden's. He is absolutely a Holden legend and is in the list. My number five is probably a guy you would think is a smidgen further up the list, but I'll explain. Mark mm. Scaife. Ooh. I've got Scaifey yeah. five. My, my big – and I'm thinking that you've gone – Scaife 4, Murph 5, correct? No. Okay, right. Forget that idea. Well, <laughs> I've got Scaife at 5, 19 of 25 Bathurst in Holdens for four wins, three other podiums, and 10 top six results. Murphy is the same. Four wins each in Holdens, but Murph has one more podium than Scaife and one more... Uh, oh, no, they're equal, I think, on, on top sixes, which is just a, a little marker I've been using as you know, top fives, top sixes, those sort of results where you're in the mix or, or there or thereabouts. Oh, I think Murphy's so strongly Holden. I don't count Scaife as a Nissan guy. I see him very much mm-hmm. as a Holden guy. It was splitting hairs there on who to put one up. Uh, of course, if they'd won together in 2009, that wouldn't have changed it. Just give each of them another win on their list <laughs> more than anything. But I put Scaife at five and, and Murph at four. Um, maybe it's the lap of the gods that just pushes it over the line, which will piss Scaifey off, no doubt, because 
<laughs> well, he should have gone faster in that shootout. Yeah, Simple I know. Thing. Well, he got he got hosed by Richo that day too. So yeah, uh, different engines, different cars. Anyway, so there we go. Scafe at five for me. Murphy at five for you. Let's take a look at number four. I've got Murph. Who have you got? I've got Craig Lowndes. Okay, fair call. Now, no questioning what Lowndes' track record is in a Holden at Mount Panorama, especially in an era where younger and younger drivers are, I guess, doing the bulk of the winning in touring car racing in Supercars Championship. Whenever we go to Bathurst, who's up there? Who's up there over the last few years and doing a bit of winning? See Lowndes mm-hmm. in a Holden. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more... As much as, as much as he's renowned for how young he was when he had a lot of success, 96 win at Bathurst, his strong drives through that early phase, the early phase of his career with HRT, it's the, it, for mine, it's the back end of his career that's really illustrated, that's, that's sort of illustrated where he is on this list for me. Like he's been such a strong performer for so long at Mount Panorama. Like... The five, the five drivers on this list, like you said, the top five drivers on this list, easily, like, you couldn't put them anywhere else. And for mine, Craig Lowndes had to be in that top five. For me, he's the only guy that transcends the, could be seen as a Ford guy or seen as a Holden guy because he was mm. so firmly in each camp and for a, a serious amount of time and with factory top-running organisations and one stuff that mattered. So, um, so he's your number four. Mm-hmm. I've got Murph at four. Mm-hmm. I've got Lowndes at three. For those who are wondering, 17 <laughs> of 26 Bathurst starts in Holdens, four wins, five other podiums, and 12 top six results. Of course, doesn't count the, the three wins that he had in Fords in 06, 07, and 08. So if I've got Lowndes at three, who have you got at three? I have M. Scaife. Okay. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. I mean, when you look at... Obviously, he has four Bathurst 1000 wins in Holdens. Two of those came with the Holden Racing Team at the absolute peak of their powers mm-hmm. in 2001, 2002, when they, when they just couldn't lose for winning. I mean, that number one car in 2002 had its, had its air intake so full of plastic bags. One more lap and it was cooked. Yeah, but it got it wasn't, <laughs> it's not a 162-lap race. That, so. that sums up that era. When, exactly. When you are at your peak of your powers and you've got the rub of the green... Stuff like that. Anybody else cooks their engine and they're out. Uh, Craig they Neil Crompton. Yes. But when you're flying high, you get away with that stuff. Uh, it doesn't last forever. It does mm. end and it did end for HRT and Scaife. But you're right. It's, uh, it's hard to go past. But this is why he, I've put him at number three on my list. It's because that 2005 win where he wasn't just the driver or he wasn't just the guy in the chair to do that job. He was also the guy running the team, owning the team, and had a lot of other responsibilities that he admits himself he overloaded himself and should have brought other people in to help him out sooner than what he did. Mm. And he still won a Bathurst with the factory team. With the weight of all that expectation, was driving as, as good as ever. It's a good point you raise, and I totally agree with it. And while we mention it too, there's a new Mark Scaife book out in a couple of weeks' time. We've got stock of it. Uh, you can order it from our online bookshop, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. It's basically an illustrated autobiography. There's insight from a whole pile of people really over his journey from obvious people that you'd expect like Glenn Seaton and Neil Crompton, but uh, Jess Yates has put together some words from Fox Sports. There's a bunch of different people who have been involved in Scafie's career over the years uh, who've contributed. It, it's, a, it's a good read. It's a good read. I'd thoroughly recommend if you're looking for a Christmas present for anybody, uh, Scafie's new book is, is a ripper. It's, uh, it's colour, it's hardcover, it's got plenty of our archive photos in there as well plug plug uh because there's some really cool stuff uh, lying around here it was great to work with the team from the firm press so that is the mark scaife color autobiography um coming out end of october if you have pre-ordered thank you everyone we'll process those asap uh, as soon as we get them in from the publisher so i'm thinking will we're down to the final duh two yes <laughs> and i uh... <laughs> Based on who we've had in positions three through ten, I think we've probably got the same names in the top two positions in some order. The question is, what is your order? Give me number two and number one. 
So for me, number two, Larry Perkins. Number one, Peter Brock. Would it surprise you for me to tell you that I have him around the other way? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. See, um, I think, it, well, it would be obvious and easy, I think, to put Brock at one. And I'm not accusing you of being obvious and easy. Mm-hmm. But I feel that Larry Perkins, for his longevity with Holden, for his achievements with Holden, I think the reality, he ran his own team. He ran, obviously, the HDT workshop to put together those cars and, and, and co-drove to win those, those three in the 80s with Brock. So he did all bar one of his Bathurst and Holdens. There's no doubt he's a Holden guy. Six wins, six other podiums, and 16 top six finishes. That is nuts, basically. Mm. But it was the reality of owning and running the team, the, the engineering side of the cars, the hands-on nature, the homologation of the, the Holden 304 for 1993 Bathurst, which, by the way, is on DVD in full. You can pre-order it now. It'll be available in a couple of weeks' time for us to mail out to you. But it's the full race from uh, the full race day telecast from Go to Woe of 93. I can't wait to sit down and watch that because uh, it's a cool race. It's a, it's a special, special memory. But I just feel that Perkins, with his on-track achievements, with what he did off-track, he had more hands-on involvement in those cars, both HDT and Perkins Engineering. Yes, Brock won three more than Larry, but Larry won three with him. So there's three of Brock's that he wouldn't have got without Larry with him. Uh, Larry was on the podium more times in Holden's when he didn't win than Brock. Brock either won or really didn't do much, uh, particularly in his latter part of his career with HRT. He was fast, but there was never a result to be, to be gained. Uh, I just feel like it's those other elements. And I, I could argue it either way. I could argue a Brock at one, but I just felt that, of a guy who personifies Holden and for all of those things beyond the track that affected on the track, I think it's pretty hard to go past him in my mind as the number one in uh, our top 10 Holden drivers at the Bathurst 1000 of all time. You can't argue Larry's contribution to the race as both a driver, as a Holden representative, as an, and as a builder of cars. I mean, you look at, I look forward to going through the numbers for the Perkins, the Perkins engineering cars book that we're doing to see just how many, just what the highest percentage of P cars on a Bathurst 1000 grid was. Cause I imagine there was, there's a few years where it's a pretty substantial number. Yeah. I reckon it'd be mm, easily five or six. In any and that's just looking year. at cars, not just engines as yeah. well. Quite often he, his team provided engines to teams for cars that he didn't build. So mm. Uh, yeah, you could argue it either way. I've got Brock at two. I've got Perkins at one. It's a very, very close neck and neck finish. You could argue them either way around, but that's the beauty of doing these things. You can always decide which way you're going to argue it, and that's the way I'm deciding. And the reason I went with Brock at number one, for all of Larry's contributions to the race, so much of the mystique of Bathurst, the, pub, the wider public awareness of the Bathurst 1000. Yes, it was built on a Holden versus Ford rivalry, but Brock was the Holden bit. Really. Yeah. He, was, he had yeah. the charisma, he had the star power. It was underpinned by Holden, but without Brock giving it the halo, to do the achievements of all the other drivers on, this, on our lists mean as much to the general public. I don't know whether they do. I think you're and right. That's why I've got Brock at number one. Yeah, and that's not that's not to denigrate or devalue any of the achievements of anyone else on our list. No, no. It's just that Brock drove. Brock was a significant driver in the Bathurst 1000, being the great race that we know it as today. Yeah, totally true. Totally true. Totally true. You can grab all of those 80s Bathurst wins of Brock and Perkins and Grice. Uh, there's actually a, a box set coming out uh, very soon that is of the 80s Bathurst Holden wins. Uh, again, like all of these products, it's on our online bookshop, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. Peter Hughes' amazing, amazing range of prints of all of these great Holden cars from over the years is there. And our Triple Eight 200 Championship wins print uh, has been signed now by Craig Lowndes, Jamie Winkup, and Shane Van Gisbergen. It will be distributed in the next couple of weeks to our 
uh, retail and, and wholesale customers. It's limited to just 500 prints. I think there's about 40 or 50 left. So when those go uh, available online, we'll let everybody know when, when they're there to grab. But if you're looking for a really cool piece of memorabilia, which is both Holden and Ford because Triple Eight won 200 races earlier this year in the championship. And of course, they did it across Fords and Holden. So plenty in the bookshop.vhsleuth.com.au website. By all means, jump on there, go shopping. We've got gift cards, which is, if you don't know what to buy someone, that's the best way to get out of jail. <laughs> not, not free because you've got to buy them, but <laughs> it's also a nice segue, Will. It is our gift cards that are our prizes for the V8 Sleuth Bathurst Trivia Competition winners. And we ran a comp uh, was it earlier this year or last earlier year? Earlier this year. Yeah, earlier, earlier this year. year. Yeah. Earlier this year. Uh, we've had over three times as many entries as our first competition for this one. Out of the 20 questions, we made it. Some of them easy, some of them hard. No one got a perfect score of 20 out of 20 this time around. We had a five-way tie for uh, on 18. Uh, so the earliest two entries that were submitted get to the podium positions. So can you do a drum roll? Yeah, good. Nice, nice. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> right, so third place with a $50 gift card to the V8 Sleuth Online Bookshop with 18 points, second to get uh, 18 on the board. Congratulations, Matthew Berry. Second place with a $150 gift card, also on 18 points. Congratulations, Daniel Sinclair. Well done, Daniel. Great job, mate. But our winner, $250 gift card, 19 out of 20. Well done. Congratulations, Tristan Forbes is the winner of our V8 Sleuth Bathurst Trivia Competition Contest. Uh, details on how to redeem your gift cards will be in your email boxes by the time you listen to this podcast. So well done to Tristan, to Daniel, to Matthew, to everybody who entered uh, the V8 Sleuth Bathurst Trivia Competition. We had a whole pile of entries, a whole pile of interest, and I know there's probably a pile of people sitting there wondering, what were the answers? Because we got a lot of questions asking for clarification mm. on the determination of some of these. So we will say now our decision is final. There'll be no correspondence entered into. But if you're wondering how many you got right or which ones you got wrong, let's quickly run through you very quickly. So question one, six drivers have scored five or more wins in the Bathurst 1000. Brock Richards, Lowndes, Perkins, Scaife, Steve Richards. Total of their Bathurst wins combined is 40. Question two, in what year was the most recent Bathurst 1001 by a tyre manufacturer other than Dunlop or Bridgestone? Was D, 1998 Michelin, the Bathurst mm. 1000 Super Touring Race. I reckon that'll have got a few people uh, tripped over by that one. Only about a quarter of our entrants actually got that one right. Question three, 61 different drivers have won the Bathurst 1000. Question four, the highest recording uh, finish of the four drivers in 03 <laughs> between Winkup, Baird, McConville and David Thexton was... D, David Thexton. I'm not going to lie, I enjoyed putting that one together. <laughs> uh, question five, Peter Brock, how many of his nine Bathurst wins were in car 05? Answer was B, uh, five. Question six, Mark Scaife, in what year did he make his Bathurst 1000 debut? The answer is C, 1986. A few people might have got that one a little bit wrong. Now, this is where there's an argument or two. Of course, he didn't drive in the race in 86 because Peter Williamson crashed there. Uh, super at the bottom of Conrod and uh, had some pretty nasty injuries as well. Uh, but he made his Bathurst 1000 debut in 1986. He didn't drive in the race, though, until 1987. Question seven, which of the following drivers has the most poles at Bathurst? Johnson, Scaife, Brock or Seaton? It's Brock. Question eight, of the primary drivers on this year's Bathurst 1000 grid, how many have been on the podium? The answer was A, 12. Uh, question nine, which running of the race came closest to finishing in under six hours? It was B, the 2018 Super Cheap Auto Bathurst 1000. Question 10, uh, after Brock's last Bathurst win in 87, from 88 to 2004, he wasn't able to get a win, but what was his best finishing result in that period? The answer was C, fourth. Question 11, oh, Timken Bearings. We like Timken Bearings. Now, <laughs> uh, the world's largest... Uh, Wind turbines, some that are as tall as 260 metres, have rotors as big as 220 metres in diameter. Now, if you heard the ad, uh, the live read ad earlier in the podcast, you'd know 
that the distance in terms of comparable nature to the Bathurst track is B, the distance from the start line to Hell Corner. Question 12, ooh, this is when it went up a notch. So mm. the maximum grid capacity for Bathurst for many years was 55 cars. In that time, how many times did 55 cars actually start? The answer was, uh, sorry, uh, how many start? Yes, uh, the answer was A, three. Question 13, first Australian driver to record starts in both the Bathurst 1000 and the Indy 500 was C, Jack Brabham. Question 14, of the main drivers on this year's grid, uh, one driver has finished all 15 Bathurst they've started, which we help people with this because we wrote <laughs> a bloody story about it on the website last week. The answer was B, Alex Davison. Question 15, uh, this was a safety car question about the smallest number of safety cars in a single running of Bathurst being one, which happened uh, in 1993, so therefore the answer was D. Question 16, who were the first drivers to win the James Hardy 1000? Was B, Dick Johnson, John French. Uh, question 17, this one got a few people. Since 67, when qual times first dictated grid positions, how many times has the front row of the grid at Bathurst been locked out by cars from the same team? The answer is D, five. And one of the tricky elements here was that for a time, the grid at Bathurst was 323, three mm. cars on the front row. Qualifying top two with the factory Falcons, but an alpha third is not a front row lockout. Just 33% of our entrants got that one correct. In fact, that's the one that tripped Tristan Forbes from getting the perfect 20. That's the one that he didn't get. Question 18, to the nearest kilometre, the race distance of the 1992 red flag race was, uh, the answer was A, triple eight, uh, <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, question 19, uh, from 05 onwards, which year has featured the most rookies in the field? Uh, that was C, 2009. And this was a good one. The Jack question, Jack Smith, Jack Perkins, how many driving combos in Bathurst history have had two drivers named Jack in them? The answer is A, zero. If we are to do that quiz next week, the answer is E1. <laughs> because they are the first blokes to do it. So there you are. Uh, thanks, everyone, for entering. We'll do another trivia competition somewhere soon down the track, I'm sure. We will make it a little easier so it doesn't take as long to put together the answers for. And hopefully we get even more people joining in with a chance of, of getting up for a win. But again... Congratulations to Tristan Forbes, to Daniel Sinclair and to Matthew Berry, our podium finishers in the V8 Sleuth Bathurst Trivia Competition. So, Will, we've covered the last couple of weeks of Bathurst content in terms of previewing the race, taking a look at the top 10 Holden drivers of all time, a Q&A. Uh, we get to actually have the race this weekend. Uh, who's your money on before we leave the podcast this week? My money is on myself having a blinder of a live blog um, <laughs> and motorsport being the winner. <laughs> and now when you stand off the fence upon which you were sitting. Um, I definitely think it'll be a Holden or a Ford that wins. Okay. That other fence that you've just sat on. <laughs> All right. He's not going to give us anything. Oh, look, it's going to be between the big ticket teams, but yeah. outside of Shell and Red Bull, I think Tickford are a chance. Waters and Davison, it's a great combo, but don't count out some of their other cars. Nick Perkett, Tom Randall for me are a bit of a dark horse. They've won a couple of races this year with Nick. But I really wanted to say to all of our listeners, I know pretty much everyone has a different Bathurst going on this year, whether you normally go there and camp or you, you, you go to your mate's place for barbecues and you can't do that because of restrictions this year. Just be thankful we've got a race to talk about. We've got a race to watch. We've got a race to talk about for years to come. It will be a race no matter what happens on the track that we will remember for a very, very long time. So just bear that in mind. If you're thinking about hammering your keyboard about how unfair it all is. Yes, it's unfair. Yes, it's annoying. Yes, it's strange, but let's be thankful for what we've got. And we've got a Bathurst 1000 this year. What we've also got in upcoming weeks, the next three or four weeks, we've got some big name guests. We'll dial on the podcast. I'm looking at the list here. All of them have driven in the great race at Bathurst. They've all driven for HRT at various times over the years, but mm. have driven for other brands and other manufacturers. There's some good chats to be had here. I'm really excited about these chats that are coming up. I think, um, I think, I think all our listeners are going to be in for a very big treat. We can't say who, but let me just say, Will, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get him onto the podcast. If it cuts out halfway through, was it Brock's fault? It probably, probably. He gave it to me like that, exactly. <laughs> I reckon some of our listeners have got half a clue on who is coming up on our podcast. 
You can find out in upcoming weeks. Of course, every episode of the podcast is out every week on a Wednesday, pretty much midday they drop. Uh, Make sure you subscribe so you get those notifications straight away through Apple, through Spotify, through Google, all the places that you listen to your podcast. You can listen to it through our vhsleuth.com.au website. We always load a story with the link embedded within it so you can uh, listen to it via there. Please leave a review. Tell us what you think of the podcast. Uh, Rate it. Five stars is uh, applicable and appropriate. And And make sure that you, you apply the rating to our podcast. Not, not somebody else's. Podcast. Now, I did note this during the week where you, re- we were given a lovely review uh, on the podcast, but sadly, you were referred to as Dale, not Will. It happens more often than it, you'd think, so don't uh, feel too, if, you do, if you're responsible for this, don't feel too bad. <laughs> but the only problem was that it was posted onto the review section of a different podcast. <laughs> so Reynolds, Caruso and Van Leeuwen, Give us our review back, copy, paste it, and put it on ours, please. You're welcome. Yes, very kind of you. There we go. We're done. We've had our top 10 Holden Bathurst drivers of all time. To recap, mine in order are Larry Perkins 1, Peter Brock 2, Craig Lowndes 3, Greg Murphy 4, Mark Skay 5, then Garth Tander, Alan Grice, Wynn Percy, Jason Richards, and Peter Jansen. Will's top 10 is... Number one, Peter Brock. Number two, Larry Perkins. Number three, Mark Scaife. Number four, Craig Lowndes. Number five, Greg Murphy. Number six, Garth Tander. And the rest of the ten, Alan Grice, Jamie Winkup, John Harvey, and Will Davison. Oh, I thought you meant to say Will Dale snuck one on the bottom of the ten there. You nearly inserted yourself into the list. Sadly not. Sadly not. Uh, one day. One day. One day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> Great dreams. Great oh, dreams. Yeah. Hey, everybody, thank you again for listening. We thoroughly enjoyed bringing you all of our stuff on the VH Loop podcast powered by Timkin. Uh, tune in in a week's time for a very special guest. We'll chat to you then. The things these streets have seen, like legends, half man, half machine, who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free. Because here, there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable, and they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek.